and welcome to another episode of Marriage in a Tightrope. I'm Alan. And I'm Katie. And we're still married. We have a little mini episode that we wanted to talk about today based on a Facebook post that I made on my public page last week. And that topic, as you can see by the episode title, is a new style of prayer. And not only do we want to use this as an example of how someone in my position who no longer believes the way they used to can still find value in prayer and especially vocal out loud prayer, but how that impacts uh, Katie's side of the, on the believer side of what does that feel like when this new style of prayer is being introduced? Um, how this can also relate to the non-believer staying authentic to what they feel and believe now while also remaining connected to community and holding on to those things that they appreciated and liked in their in their previous community. Katie, thoughts on that? Does that sound good? Yeah. Sounds good? Go ahead and read it. All right. So, new style of prayer. Um, you know, one of the things kind of leading up to this is when your beliefs have changed, uh, some people, and you, you may be one of those listening here, don't quite believe the way you used to, but... Uh, in order to stay under the radar, or maybe it's just not as difficult for you, you still are saying prayers the same way you always did, whether that's at in family gatherings or at church or at the dinner table with just your family, uh, you would still use the traditional LDS type of prayer. And that's completely fine. I think those that may find value in this episode are those that uh, don't feel like they can do that anymore, that they've, they've kind of made that decision of, I'm going to be who I am. Uh, I'm not going to try to I'm not going to be deceiving or try to mislead people. And that's really where I came from with this post. So um, I'll go ahead and read it now. The standard structure of an LDS prayer. Number one, dear Heavenly Father. Number two, we thank thee for. Number three, please bless or we ask thee for. And number four, in the name of Jesus Christ, amen. This format of prayer no longer works for me. When I'm alone, I don't pray at all. I meditate, practice mindfulness. But when I'm in public... I've come to find the following format to be a comfortable prayer that I can use with family, friends, and other believers. Number one, I don't address the prayer to anybody. Number two, we are thankful for, you know, it's exactly the same thing. Number three, we're committed to, instead of asking for things, I try to commit to taking action to get things done. And number four, we say these things with love. Uh, if you're newly out of your previous faith systems, I'd recommend giving the group a heads up before you drop this new format on them. It can be a bit of a shock for them at first. So that's kind of, in a very, very small nutshell, what the the new way of publicly praying looks like for me. And to be quite honest, and this is something Katie called out when we were chatting about recording this episode, I've only done it a few times. This isn't like a regularly occurring event within our family uh, it's typically someone that does do the traditional LDS prayer is saying that prayer. I think I could probably do better with with offering up this this style of prayer myself. But uh, Katie, thoughts on all this fun stuff? Okay, so here's a question for you. Sure. Um, what would you say to someone who is offended by the way you pray now? Like not addressing it to... A deity. How would you, how do you respond to that? You know, I think that there are a lot of different ways of praying. Clearly my intention, or hopefully it's clear that my intention is not to offend anybody. Uh, 
given ample time and uh, attention in a conversation to someone that would say that, I would want to explain that that this is not my attempt of removing God. This is my attempt of still having a voice to be able to, especially around those that I care for, my, my family and my close friends, being able to, in a non-offensive way, uh, express what I do believe. This isn't addressing the, a prayer to anybody else. You know, you and I, Katie, talked about um, over this weekend, we talked about why prayer, even the traditional LDS prayer, is no longer triggering for me. Uh, where it it was in the past and it is for many people listening. And I think a big part of that for us and what I what I mentioned to you was was what is prayer anyway? For me, looking at mindfulness of sitting in your own comfort slash discomfort and understanding how you feel about certain things and what when when meditating and and not trying to think about anything, what is your mind drawn drawn to? That plus positive affirmations of, you know, talking to yourself in the mirror, verbally speaking out of saying, you know, I'm good enough, uh, I'm smart enough, and dang, people like me. Uh, I butchered that SNL quote, but those positive affirmations plus that mindfulness, that equals what prayer is. So when I made this post on Facebook, I had a number of those that aren't listeners of the podcast, they're just in my family and friend circles respond with why prayer is so meaningful to them and i wasn't triggered at all by it i thought that was great i think it's awesome so i think that a lot of people aren't offended by it for those people that are in some respects i kind of put my hands up and say i'm sorry that if if you feel that way this is not me trying to undermine what you believe you know i i sit around and listen to traditional lds prayers all the time and i think it's only fair that i get to pray the way that i want to pray as well and if I was in a situation where I was going to have a lot of people gathered around uh, that are all traditional LDS believers, and I wanted to say that prayer, I would do what I said in this Facebook post. I would warn them ahead of time, like, this is something I would like to do. And I would offer, if, if you're not comfortable with this being a sufficient blessing on the food, I'm completely fine if you want to say a second prayer afterwards. I would just like to be able to express this. Mm-hmm. I'm not putting you on trial. I'm just trying oh, to I'm trying to bring up some of the thoughts that people have when it comes to this. I think that a lot of people you know feel uncomfortable that you know there's no deity or a recognition of a deity or the blessings that we that we receive from a deity and I understand if you don't believe it it it's not a big deal to you but it could be a big deal to those around you who are still believing and who do still recognize that um sometimes they can maybe they'll think that you're being ungrateful or you're any one of those things which which you know can cause a wedge or can make the divide greater in in their opinion um by not expressing that and Alan, you've also expressed, like, is there a way that I can speak the common language and, and expressing that common language with a deity and not putting so much personal feelings into it or maybe reassigning the things that you say because it's a common language to something else? Right. Yeah, we did talk about that. So. 
is something that we've been pouring over. I personally have been thinking about for a few weeks now. Could I use in a religious setting, if I'm having a conversation about deity or about this or that, could I use the same language of, of God, for example? You know, God wants us to uh, love and serve others. That's something that I, I think a believer and I could agree on. But when I use the term God, I don't mean an, a, a literal being. I mean our intuition, everything within us is telling us to serve and love others. That's what I mean by God when I say God. I had another Facebook post, which I won't read here, about this exact topic. The general consensus that I've kind of felt after reading people's responses on both sides of belief, I had a number of non-believers kind of say like, I don't know, that that feels misleading. It feels like if you're using the term God or Heavenly Father in a way that you know what the other person thinks what you are meaning, they they have a definition that you they, that they think you are using, but you're not, that can be misleading. So this prayer... Like, I don't know that I would be comfortable anymore, like saying, dear God. And even that would raise eyebrows in LDS circles, because traditionally it's always dear Heavenly Father or our kind, gracious Heavenly Father. Heavenly Father is usually in that title. But even if I said, you know, dear God, and then addressed it to that God, when really I'm referring to my own or all of our own inner morality, I, I think I would feel dishonest and deceiving in that case. And I really don't want to be deceiving. Right. The first time Alan offered to say like the dinner prayer in his new way of praying, I got a little bit worried and like tense just because it's something new and it's something difficult. And again, something, something that we both are on different pages about, but he said the, the, dinner over the food and it was totally fine and afterwards I remember Hayden said that prayer was awesome I mean that was his response and so then it took the scariness out of it and that Alan wasn't saying you know oh devil or <laughs> there wasn't any anything like that it was basically an LDS prayer without the bumpers right that's a good way of putting it and it was. It actually ended up being fine. It's only happened a couple times. Um, generally, I say the prayer or one of the kids say prayers. But after getting sort of over that hurdle, we were able to work through that. And I think that we are extremely comfortable where we're at in our situation. And so because of that, it just everything surrounding it seemed easier and lighter. You know, there are, there are some really hard things we talk about, especially with the kids, but um, prayer, this this has been one of the lighter subjects um, and ways we can still connect, we can still talk about what we're grateful for. Uh, just, right, I put on the dear and the amen, and Alan says it a little bit differently. And so, it, if anything, it Alan's trying to do it in a way that can relate to those around us. It may be different, but there's still some relation, still talking about what he values and what he's grateful for. And I appreciate that. I think for those that are not new to mixed faith marriage, one trap that you could potentially fall into is, you know, you and your spouse have, have worked really hard. Like Katie just mentioned, you and your spouse aren't, it's not quite as sensitive anymore. Uh, but it, it very well could be 
for those around you. When you're verbally saying a prayer, your spouse may be fine with it. And maybe you've done a few, you've done it a few times and it was a little awkward at first, but now you're used to it. Just remember that when you bust out this prayer, if you decide to bust out a prayer like this, that those that you haven't spent years building these, this bridge and working through some of these things, it, you may be shocked by the response or the emotional reaction that others may may take there. That's why I think it's pretty important that if you are going to try, and we can kind of transfer from this conversation about prayer into just greater involvement in the LDS community as a non-believer, be aware of that. Uh, try to get yourself in their shoes and understand that they haven't been going through this transition, uh, either as you personally or as your spouse has alongside you. And try to be aware of that because they may be more sensitive to certain things. They, You may think that you're saying something that's pretty innocuous and and even like positive and bridge building, and it may not be taken that way. And when that happens, rather than trying to point at them and saying, like, you don't understand, I'm trying to build bridges here, it can be frustrating. And that reaction is certainly understood, but but try to turn that mirror on yourself and and think about how it is for, for them in their position, even if it's really feels like rejection in your, in your camp. So what are some other ways that non-believers traditionally try to still be involved in the community? And how can they do that in a way that doesn't sacrifice their own personal beliefs or authenticity, but allows them to be connected to the extent that they want to be? What are some ways do you think, Katie, uh, that a non-believer would find themselves still being part of that community well i mean service opportunities yeah there's tons of them especially in the neighborhood especially where we live where we have a lot of elderly people we do a lot of service stuff so i think that that's that's really positive you know right now it's weird because covid Mm -hmm. and everyone's kind of home doing their own thing and so i i mean i just think like that you can only do so much at this time but right. service is the top of the list, I guess. Yeah, service, absolutely. And when, when church comes back up, I think church attendance and what that looks like in your own personal situation is is a big one. I personally don't feel terrible going to sacrament meeting. And I state that purposefully that way. I don't, I don't wouldn't say I love it or I gain much from it, but I enjoy seeing my neighbors I enjoy knowing that Katie values it and I can go and support in that. And I mean, to be truthful, there are full active believing members that don't get much from it sometimes. <laughs> I very, mean, you know, sometimes true. I'll go and the kids will be bad and the the talks are meh and, today, and the day is just like, well, oh nah, well. We'll try we again went. next week. Yeah. And so I, I, don't, I don't think that that's, <laughs> I think everyone definitely um, experiences that. Yeah. But until then, we just keep doing what we're doing. Yeah, absolutely. I would recommend just kind of to close off this little mini episode, I would recommend just trying things. Uh, Take it to the lab, as we've learned from Natasha Helfer, all about don't be afraid to try things on. And talk to your spouse. If you want to try a a different kind of prayer or you want to try um, attending in a different way uh, on both sides, if you want to try like Katie has been has been awesome in saying, let's try doing home church for the first, and obviously everyone's doing home church at the moment, but it's starting to come back. But long before COVID hit, we did home church the first week of the month. And 
like for now, that's kind of our plan and that's what we do. And if that changes in the future, that's completely fine. It doesn't mean that that idea was a failure. We're trying to find a balance in how to best handle all this stuff. So try on this new style of prayer. See if it works. If you're motivated enough, try to put together a a neighborhood service project. Volunteer to be the elders quorum or the Relief Society service project leader or whatever it may be. And that can be a very rewarding thing, especially if you're in, in a predominantly LDS neighborhood where these things are going to be happening amongst your neighbors. And if you're comfortable and you can try, even if you're not comfortable, you can try to put yourself in those situations to try to help the community. And there are certainly justserve.org. There's there's lots of places out there that you can find service opportunities that does not happen within the church. I mean, we, we've done it. We've found other opportunities through the community and we've done it and it's been great. But if you are looking at serving your neighbor directly the people who are affected in your neighborhood if that's what you're interested in your community the church does provide lots of opportunities to do that and i mean i think that there's nothing wrong with just being a good neighbor and helping out the people who live by you so that doesn't have to be a church thing i don't i don't want people to associate you know the only way to get their services through the church because that's largely um unfounded and untrue yeah very good point If you all would like to share with us how you have been able to stay authentic but connected to your your community, what ideas you have, we would love to hear it. You can email us at marriageandatsyrope at gmail.com. You can share it with us on Instagram or in our Facebook group. That would be fantastic. And I think an appropriate way of ending this episode would be a small prayer. Can I offer a small prayer to end the episode? Oh, okay. (laughs) I'll keep it simple. So yeah, this would be an example of of the kind of prayer that I'm talking about. We're so thankful that we can be here to record this podcast today. It's a great opportunity for us to explore how we feel as a couple, to reach out to those that are in need, that are having a hard time with difficulties within mixed faith marriage. And we know that our efforts truly can be helpful, that as people reach out, and talk to one another, communicate how they get through some of these things that we we really can uh, bless each other in our lives. We're committed to trying these things, to trying to keep each other in a relationship that is constantly trying to improve. And throughout this week, it being Monday right now, we we want to keep in mind what we can do to help others um, feel in, inspired and feel that they are improving their own lives. We recognize that others in our lives have the same exact impact that we're trying to have, and and we are trying very hard to recognize that positive impact that others have for us. These things we say with love. Amen. When it's done, we're going to see that it was better that we grew up together. Tell me you don't want to leave Cause if change is what you need You can change right next to me When you're high, I'll take the lows You can ebb and I can flow We'll take it slow And grow as we go We go.